0: Hi, listeners. For today's episode, we're going to start something a little different. Starting today, we may occasionally repost an older episode or two. For new listeners, this allows you to hear some of our older but still very informative shows. And for longtime listeners, it uh, gives you a chance to re-listen and maybe even learn something you missed the first time. I learn something new every time I listen to this show with Lee Grimes from Coney. It's full of great tips and setup tweaks for shocks, and Lee's just such a great person to be around and learn from. We hope you enjoy.
1: When but when it's right, man, it really oh. it does it does. Uh, feel does good. It feels
0: awesome, doesn't it? Absolutely. I,
2: I think I only got it right like twice this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, it's number 12. Yeah, we have. Uh, we're trying a new uh, form of recording via the internet. It might not sound the best, but uh, it gets us uh, the famed Coney representative Lee Grimes on the, on the blower for a few minutes here. Um, and uh, yeah, Lee is in uh, Kentucky, Cincinnati area. I'm in Chicago, Austin's in uh, Atlanta, so we're, we're, we're trying something. Uh, it might might not be the final way we do this interview thing, but the joys uh, of modern technology. Oh yeah, yeah we've got compression and uh, internet delays and multiple things recording things and yeah we're flailing in our mediocrity but we've got <laughs> we've got Lee on the line here. Hi Lee. How are you? Hey, hey guys I, uh, I haven't seen you in
1: approximately three days, Lee. <laughs> that's, not, that's not too bad. Oh, that's, that's, Had a fun that's, week in mid-Ohio. Yeah, it was, man. It was a good time. My car ran much better. Thanks to I, uh, we,
2: we, uh, and we ended the, the weekend side-by-side uh, side crossing the start-finish line, I think.
1: Pretty much. I had to chase you pretty hard, too. It was well, the same was, race, just
0: different races, though, right?
2: Yeah, we were in a different class. <laughs> Lee's got a, uh, a F production uh, CRX, a wide body second gen CRX with a high compression D series, and I've got my STL CRX with a high compression D15. And we were, we were. I think our best laps were within like .2 seconds of each other, actually. <laughs> so, um, you were faster. But, uh, I, no, I think you beat me. Finally. Oh. I think you got me by two by .2. Ooh, cool, cool. Uh, we uh, uh, Lee, Lee just built a brand new motor and uh, like put it in Friday or Thursday, and, uh, and and the tune was not adequate. So Sam Myers and I and Lee uh, Lee Lee's want so many people that put a new motor and don't have a wideband O2 sensor to tune it, and they don't have any knowledge. At least Lee had a wideband O two. And, uh, so we, we were able to do some tuning at the track. He did uh, one lap qualifying and it was super lean. Um, so we, I think we added close to 20% fuel and we got it into a good safe area and played with some other stuff and idle and all that. But yeah, it was a fun weekend. We, uh, uh, we all, uh, Tom and Lee and I, and all, and, and the rest of our friends, we all drove our cars off the track, which was nice. So absolutely. I heard you had a, a couple few small issues. Um, yeah, my brakes tended to disappear after approximately 10 (laughs) laps (laughs) and and I couldn't figure it out. I bled everything. I changed the pads. The pads and rotors were all brand new at the beginning of the weekend and I changed them on Sunday too. Um, and it turns out that you're not supposed to keep brake fluid for like four or five years and keep using it. Um, (laughs) just out of the open
0: bottle. That's fine. I, fine. I
2: literally never had brake problems with this car, like for the past three, four years. And, uh, uh, yeah, the fluid was just, the fluid I was putting into it, the fluid that was in it, everything is just saturated with moisture and boiling fast. So it's just
0: hydraulic fluid. No big deal.
2: Yeah. it was, it it like occurred to me after the last race, I thought, I think that's the same bottle of fluid I bought when I bought the race car. And I thought that might not be the best fluid
1: in the world, but, uh. Yeah, anyway. It's supposed to be a consumable. It's not like a uh, yeah. a principal I, item that you buy once and it's good forever.
2: I, I just never thought of it. You know, It's been in the spares bin forever, um, and I just never thought, uh, let's use different fluid every year. <laughs> yeah, like
0: if, if I have a bottle that's been open for like three or four months, I usually chunk it and go ahead. Yeah, that's and what just, everybody yeah. uh, in
2: my reading says. I just never read about brake fluid because I never had to think about it. <laughs> so so uh, for our listeners – uh, throw away all the old ATE Super Blue and Valvoline Sin power that's in your box. <laughs> it's of no use to anybody. Um, but yeah, we can uh, we can talk about uh, uh, how terrible at racing I am all day. But uh, since we've got Lee on the line, uh, let's talk about uh, what he does. Lee, what is your position at Coney?
1: I'm the uh, automotive product manager for Coney North America. Um, been there just shy of uh, 20 years now.
2: Wow, has it been that long?
1: yeah that's cool it's a lot of fun it's a lot of fun absolutely i get to play uh, play car guy go to work and play car guy and get paid so
2: now basically you deal with the uh aftermarket car stuff then right absolutely yes uh not not any of the uh like building shock absorbers and railway car shock absorbers or anything like that
1: no, no, we we actually do an. Uh, people know us for uh, racing and automotive stuff, but it's actually a relatively small portion of our business. We do a lot of uh, railroad high speed. Uh, lot most of the world's high speed bullet trains. We do uh, a large market share of city buses. We do defense stuff for the the modern breed of uh, of military troop carriers. Uh, pretty much, if it moves, there's a really good chance it's got. Uh, got conies on it but uh i do the part that that uh, is really fun to me and that's that's the automobiles and and the race cars
2: yeah uh lee uh lee is he's been on the honda forums forever and he's kind of always been like the go-to shot guy he show if you search some of the 10 15 year old stuff crx lee pops up on like honda dash tech and stuff um and you know and he's 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 always kind of been around Um, And he and I got to know each other. I told a story a while back um, when he bought an old CRX and then a mutual buddy of ours, Tom Lamb, kind of put us together and that CRX needed to get used. So we turned it into a lemon's car. We did some races together and that kind of got Lee back into finishing up his F-Pride car and back into SCCA racing. Um, Absolutely, and, and so and, and so Lee Lee kind of got me into wheel to wheel, and then I kind of got Lee back into wheel to wheel in the last two or three years. I think 2013 was the first time we were at an SCCA race together. That was my first race, and that yep. was your first
1: race back, correct? Yes, yes. and it, that's it, first race back with with my own car. With your I car, did, yeah. Rented Sam's ride the year before, and yep. uh, after doing the Lemons races with you, and decided it was it was time to be back, and I'm yeah. definitely enjoying it. Yeah, we've been
2: uh, a couple times a year we kind of find each other at Mid-Ohio, it seems, and uh, I wouldn't mind if that tradition keeps up for a while not a bad way to kill a weekend. (laughs) Um, yeah. And one of our cars is always broken in some way, shape or form. (laughs) But, uh, we, uh, when you have three CRX, actually Tom usually brings two second gen CRXs. So you (laughs) usually have four CRXs. And then one of them is Tom's kind of parts ITA car. (laughs) So we, uh, yeah, we parts always get lent out to somebody. And usually it's one of the Murray cars that have rolled over and wrecked itself. Mm -hmm. But, uh, I think Tom gave an axle to JT Murray this weekend. But um yeah, the uh the weekend was a good one. We uh we had, we I think we all set our fastest laps, all three of us. Um me and I think Tom was in like the low one forty threes and me and Lee were in the low one forty twos. Um my data said at one forty one eight, but I guess there's some nope. kind of start finish line thing with the aim.
0: Yeah, I saw Jeremy Lucas talking about that.
2: Yeah, like the the aim kind of uh, can combine laps. It's hmm. uh, the yeah. uh, the, gene- the the default setting for the aim solo is like not a good start. So just because the
0: track is so wide, right there, like I don't know, it's not I, I haven't the played with range. it.
2: Uh, uh, but uh, huh. Brad Brett Adams commented on the, that post or something on the forum where. Uh, he reset his Road to America um, start finish and on his aim solo a couple weeks ago, and he was racing up there with NASA. Uh, I think he said he did, and it and I think that was him. Um, and it and it made it totally accurate. But yeah, I was about a tenth to two tenths off on my aim solo this weekend, which you know, not that big of a deal. But
0: your transponders in the wrong spot.
2: Yeah, let's <laughs> talk about that later.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, Lee. Uh, Lee does a lot of presentations for Kony um, all over the place at uh, trade shows, and um, and I'm, I'm wondering if Lee can kind of give us a quick, like, how do you, what do shocks do and how do you adjust them sort of presentation? Sure. Uh, that would be, I think, for especially for a lot of our uh, more, like, intermediate and advanced guys who really just kind of fiddle around with their knobs. Like, what are rebound and compression actually doing for the car? I love messing with my knob. Yeah, we we know we do this is a that's for a different podcast but well uh, if, if, yeah Lee kind of uh, last year at Honda me that's the first time I heard this presentation kind of that he that he gives or you know kind of just I heard him talk about shocks um, and and it kind of sent me down the road of wanting better shocks and I and, and more to more to think about and I kind of felt out what they did better and uh, yeah if if he can give us kind of uh, a quick Version of what he tells everybody, um, I think that could be pretty helpful for everybody.
1: Oh, absolutely, sure. sure, be happy to. I guess one of the first things that that hits me is that that a lot of people treat shocks or shock adjustment that kind of stuff as a lot of smoke and mirrors and 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 really difficult stuff. And and I I don't think it it whether people are trying to specifically make it like that or or just because they don't understand, but it's it's not really so. It's. Uh, uh, Basically, if I can get a pretty good grip on it, and then you know I'm just an old racer guy, so then anybody else can too. So, uh, just kind of going through things, it's I, I, I firmly believe that it's it's not that difficult. However, it's not something that's typically intuitive, so you're not likely to to be able to teach it to yourself. Or if you try to do that, there's a good chance you may head off on a tangent. And and be off in la la land a little bit. So what I typically do when I do a seminar or, or uh, talk with people is try to just set you know a little uh, a few basics. And I explain what's basically happening, what's important, what uh, that kind of thing, and then you've got something to build upon with a, you know, with a, a good grounding, then you can kind of add things in, things you're feeling in your own car. You know, if it if it makes sense, you know, try some more of it. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. You know, just kind of file that away in the old gray matter there and and maybe in, you know, in the future, uh, something else will come along and it'll pop back up and, and it works for you. So I'm a firm believer in kind of, you know, keeping a, a little bit of a, of, a, of a model in your mind. And, and then just make it all kind of fit together and it 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 works relatively well it's it's not that difficult it's just you most people going into it don't don't have the specifics um, one of the first things is is basically you know understanding uh rebounded compression what does what what affects what that kind of thing um, just going along based on the intuitive thing an awful lot of people think. Um, this is, now again, let's, w- w- what we'll be discussing is kind of mostly about, uh, cars like y- you and I and, uh, are, are going to be typically running. We're not talking about high arrow, purpose built cars. We're typically talking about, um, you know, like street a Street drive yeah. production-based production, production kind cars. of stuff like that, exactly. Yeah. Like Something you could drive to the track, yeah. Exactly, exactly. When you're, you know, things you're going to take to not across, track day, that kind of stuff. Probably not high aero, uh, Fair. You know, maybe you've got uh, suspension mods, that kind of stuff, left and right hand turns, that kind of stuff. But in general, rebound is going to be the one that does the majority of your work. Um, a lot of people think, oh, I've got to have a lot of compression, so I don't want the car to roll over or to, to roll too much. Body roll too much in the corners, but if you think about it, um, you know when when you go into the you know when you're going down the straightaway, uh, and then you go into the corner and the and the 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 car, uh, the load side of the car compresses a bit. It's not that because the car is heavier in the corner than it was on the straightaway. It's just transitioning its weight from the inside to the outside. So probably key number one is. For a, a, a car like what we're talking about, really the rebound damping is going to be the one that's going to do the majority of the work for you. I mean, as a general rule of thumb, you know, 90, 95% of the work is going to be done by the rebound. Compression does um, does less. If you have a high aero car, if you have a, an Uber grip car, you know, like a you know, Indy car, something like that, where it doesn't have that much uh, mass and sprung weight but it has amazingly sticky tires and that kind of thing, Now compression can come into a bit more, but in general, you know, even if you've got a pretty aggressive, you know, uh, good handling car, rebound uh, is going to be the primary tool that most of us are going to be working on. Um, In general, rebound is going to control what's known as the sprung weight of the car. Uh, Everything above the suspension, you, the engine, the body. When you go into a corner, when the car begins to lean, begins to transition its weight, that's what the rebound's controlling, the sprung weight, transitional weight. Uh, On the the, the other side, compression, that controls what's known as the unsprung weight, basically wheel, tire, brakes, and that kind of thing. Um, So... When you get an adjustable shock, for example, most of the majority of adjustable shocks are going to be a, a single adjustable, meaning that your rebound is going to be changing and your compression. Uh, does not, or hopefully, there are a few that crosstalk uh, that actually adjust rebound and compression simultaneously. That's not really a good thing, because it's the two do two different jobs. So you really, if you're going to have something that changes it, you'd really rather have those two separated. Um, but so pretty much, rebound is going to be your primary tool. Now, um,
2: now re- yeah. rebound basically is controlling the stretching out of the shock, and compression is exactly. kind of controlling you know how fast the piston can go back down in.
1: Right, exactly, um, exactly. That's, rebound is the extension rate yep. of the shock. Compression or bump. Some people uh, use the term jounce as well. Uh, that's the, as the shock compresses. So, as I mentioned, when you go in, you, know, you come down the straightaway, you go into the corner and the car begins to transition, it's not like it's getting heavier on the outside uh, necessarily. It's because yes. the inside shock uh, is extending and trans, uh, transferring the weight from the inside to the outside. Yeah, you're so trying
2: if- to keep that, that, ins- uh, that inside
1: shock from extending super fast right. uh, with, with more rebound. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to be able to stop physics. Uh, There is going to be some weight transfer. But if you can help control that rate, uh, not let it go too fast or not let it go too slow. If you can control that weight, then you can help uh, with the balance of the car. Yeah. So uh, with that generally um, that 's going to be your 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 primary tool if you 've got a double adjustable or a compression adjustable shock um, that that you can do to help control like i said the the unsprung weight. Its job is mostly to hold the tire to the ground you 're looking to optimize. The, the grip potential between the surface, whether you have a bumpy surface or a, a really smooth grippy surface, and the grip potential of the tire, sticky tire or, or more of a street-based tire. You're trying to optimize the mechanical grip of the tire to the surface by holding the tire to the ground. So uh, I guess when people get maybe a step up and get a double adjustable shock, uh, they they may do a little bit of tail chasing which one do i turn is this a rebound situation or a compression situation <laughs> ultimately
2: i, I kind of had that situation yeah. this that, weekend
1: does uh, sound familiar my... <laughs> ultimately if if you can kind of separate the thing um use your rebound to control the ba- the the balance of the car really it's more than the balance um yeah basically
2: uh gr- uh, what I was going on this weekend was uh, last week Greg said that you had told him that compression um, adds grip until it doesn't. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was kind of how I uh, thought about compression because, uh, because it starts making the car bounce more and stuff. But, right, right, um yeah that was a, kind of a good way for me to wrap my head around compression then and then you also talked uh, to me i i i told you uh told you I was having some skittering issues kind of and there's a couple of rough braking zones at mid ohio and the car felt like it was kind of dancing and like um it, and and you said drop compression a little bit because uh it's it's hitting one bump and then it's hitting another and kind of dancing over uh because the car is kind of jacking itself up you know uh, right. and I, I dropped compression two clicks out of, uh, I think, 11, um, and uh, it's my first weekend on Kony 3011s, um, and uh, yeah, no more skittering. Um, I, think I, I think I do want to bump it back up one. Uh, there's, that's a giant difference on those shocks uh, per click. Um, but yeah, I think I was pretty close to the ballpark with the, the settings that you recommended to me, which is pretty soft on compression and pretty soft on rebound. I upped the rebound in the rear slowly over the weekend, but anyway, so we're talking about general, uh, shock settings and, and compression and, uh, and what it does. So
0: now for someone yeah. that has a, like a single adjustable shock right now, mm-hmm. uh, wanting to go to a double adjustable shock. Um, you know, what's the, I guess, the best advice as far as where to start the tuning process going to a double adjustable from a single adjustable?
1: Okay, if, if you've got a double, the general rule of thumb is to, if you can, especially if you've got an opportunity for a test day, is to go out on the track with your with your com- uh, compression adjustable uh, dampers and just really think about grip, about how is the car... How am I holding the tires to the ground to optimize the surface? As you increase your compression damping, as you adjust it upwards, you, you're you holding the tire firmer and firmer to the ground. So that should try to get you closer to the, the pointy edge of, of optimizing grip. Uh, and if you just simply drive around thinking about what, like, where's the worst bump on the track? What is the, the, the tire doing? Uh, what is my grip situation on the worst bump of the track? As you increase the compression, your turn-in should get sharper, uh, your tire temp should get better, you're working the carcass better, ultimately uh, to optimize that grip until you hit the worst bump out there. And then when the car starts skittering or if you feel that it skates or jumps sideways, kind of like what, uh, what Adam was experiencing. In mid-Ohio. That's ultimately what's happening is now at that worst bump, instead of allowing the wheel to go up into the wheel arch when you do hit a uh, a bump or something along that line, it's causing the car to skate or jump sideways, basically ramp off and overshoot, and yep. then the, the yep. pull the tire contact patch off the ground. So that that's the point when you've gone a little bit too far. Come back a click or come back a click or two. Uh, and then try to find the point where you're getting as much bite without that bit of skittering. That means you're 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 optimizing, maximizing the grip of the tire and the surface together. Uh, at which point you're you're pretty well optimized uh, for that particular track. At that point, then you transition over into looking at your rebound damping. Uh, and you start thinking about the balance of the car, understeer, oversteer, corner uh, uh, entry, corner exit, that kind of stuff. But the first thing is to to try to make sure that you're working the tire. The, the tire connects you and the car to the ground, so you want to optimize or maximize the grip, and then use your other tools to to help with the balance to get the car to, to rotate or to turn in um, you know, and, and, and transition the way, the way that you want to. To be able to, to exit and carry as much good speed through it and onto the next
0: event it 's very interesting <laughs> that uh, that you know a lot of the single adjustables that are out there you can 't address compression and what you were just talking about it sounds like that 's one of the most
1: important things for suspension tuning well it's it 's it's, it's somewhat important, but you 're going to make much bigger gains. With rebound yeah, tuning, yeah, transition, right. something like that. If if you got, and, and like, like so many people, like all of us that are, are running out of our own pocket, we don't have, have uh, deep budgets and all that kind of stuff uh, paying out there, you're going to get more bang for your buck by adjusting rebound and having the compression in the right ballpark. Um, I don't want to say specifically you'll get... Uh, Multiple seconds. Although you may very likely uh, do so with rebound, whereas compression, you're really, uh, you know, tenths of a second kind of a scenario. Um, you're really, it's a fine-tuned kind of, kind of situation where you're trying to optimize, the, you know, optimize the grip that you got without overstepping that point. But really, the balance of the car is really going to have a greater. Uh, uh, and the rebound of the transitional body motion control—that's really where the, the the greatest gains are going to be had.
2: My my, uh, my car going from Coney uh, uh, single adjust race valved yellow shacks, which um, I mean, if my if my buddy Mike hadn't given me a deal on these Coney uh, double adjustables that I just got, uh, I would I would run those Coney yellows pretty much indefinitely. I could almost run the same pace. Uh, I had almost no complaints with them. Um, the compression was right, kind of where I wanted it. Um, the only thing I didn't like it was if I bombed a curb, it did upset the car a little bit more. Um, and, and that's you know that's more of kind of like the fine tuning of like each track. And uh, but yeah, rebound adjust is kind of what does, especially in a CRX, kind of like what does uh, uh, everything. Um, trying to get the rear end to rotate just right. Um, and not have uh, any kind of uh, plowing or anything. Um, that, uh, yeah, the double adjustable didn't add much to me at Mid Ohio. I did like how, how the Coney 3011 took uh, the bump at turn one if it, if it got onto the curb. Um, I liked it a whole lot more because um, I had the, the, the bump setting, the compression setting way down. Um, and uh, even a couple clicks up. Uh, it was skittering over a couple of braking zones. So, a lightweight car, you don't need much compression dampening, really. At least I didn't want too much at Mid Ohio
1: last weekend. So. Right. And the, the stickier your tires get, uh, the, the more that, the more grip potential you have, so the more compression you can run. I, I ran um, a fresh set of Hoosier Slicks this weekend, uh, and after many years of, uh, of, of basically trying to use up some old tires, I really had proper, fresh, let's go get them kind of tires and uh, and I was able to use the compression a little bit more because yeah. I've got more grip potential if you 're using a tire that doesn't have as much as much grip to it or if they're not as fresh or something like that then then you may not be able to to do as much so again it's it's trying to optimize what's there if if you 've only if you 're on a street tire and it's only got so much grip potential you may not you know you may not be able to to get as much out of compression adjustable. Damper, as you do that's something super sticky. Um, and then I, I mentioned arrow earlier. If you've got a lot of arrow, a lot of wing in the car, that's really putting more downforce to it. In obviously, your grip potential goes up even further. So that's when your your uh, um, your compression can be even of greater value.
0: Now, how do spring rates come into the equation? I know this past week on one of the Facebook groups that Adam and I are part of, spring rates kind of came up as a, a big discussion. I guess. Um, as far as setting a car up and and preference and things like that
1: sure that's that's definitely going to play a role uh spring i mean effectively springs carry the weight of the vehicle, and for a given input it's going to establish uh, how much uh, suspension motion you're going to get, whether you're hitting a bump whether you're hitting a a dip or something like that, or whether you're you're banging off a, a berm for example. Uh, that's going to generally have a lot to do with how much overall suspension motion you've got. Uh, think about the uh, the shock absorber being more; it doesn't carry the weight of the vehicle like this, the the uh, spring does. Think of it more of as a timing device. Uh, spring says for for this energy input, we need one one and a half inches of suspension motion the shock is going to say uh we need x amount of time for this motion to occur you don't typically want to lock the car down and not let it move you just want to control it or control how long it takes for that suspension action to occur Uh, and, and because a suspension is constantly moving uh, it may be that this, you know, the, this first energy may not fully work its way out before the next energy is in there. So you've got a lot of things moving, you know, back and forth and happening simultaneously. But the the the, the shock itself is going to to smooth that out and and help with the, the the grip optimization and the balance and transition of the vehicle, whether it's again understeer, oversteer, that kind of stuff. And you can also play a lot of role in in what the car is doing where in the corner as well by by playing with that so the spring rate is definitely going to have a have a role as you increase your spring rate you need more uh, which carries the, the 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 transitional or the sprung weight you need more damp rebound damping force to control that motion now it's it's a non Uh, uh, relationship so if you double the spring rate you may only need to increase your your rebound damping by 20 25 percent or something like that so it doesn't mean you know if you quadruple spring rate you got to quadruple your damping force that's that's not exactly the case but you do need more force to control that and that way ultimately uh, when you when you hit an energy, I think we've all probably at some point driven a car with really bad shocks. Maybe it was when you were a teenager or something like that, um, and you you hit a bump and the car just oscillates, just sets up a big <laughs> wave, and you get multiple waves. It may make take two or three or four oscillations. Uh, for the car to settle back down. That's the car just screaming begging for more rebound damping I mean, ideally you generally want one good clean oscillation wave down up level out. If the car is 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 continuing to oscillate and kind of looking like Batman going wah 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 wah, you know, then then it's. It's begging for more rebound. On the other hand, you don't want to have too much rebound, overdamp the situation, at which point the car is not able to do uh, the complete even wave. Uh, if Sometimes, um, an example, I had an old street CRX that, that I was playing around with on on. Uh, relatively stock springs and that one when i would go too high i would often find my own body the car would complete its its motion and maybe even not do a full wave maybe do just clip the end of it and overdo it and i would actually feel my body bouncing on the seat cushions of the car because the because the energy the car had stopped mo- its vertical motion so that's just so stopped stiff. that energy before all the energy was really dissipated and my and, I, and, and the way i noticed it was i'd find That my body was continuing to move uh, on on my undamped seat because it was not all done. So I get a lot of people that will say, "Oh, my shocks are bad because it's bouncy." Well, bouncy can mean underdamped. Bouncy can mean overdamped. You know, is it are you and the car bouncing and oscillating too much? That's that's underdamped. Are are do you find that the car and your body are actually slightly out of phase? Um, and, and moving at separate rates, that's a good potential for being overdamped. Now, you're more likely to see that kind of situation when you're in a softer sprung car than a, a really aggressively sprung car. You know, then it's, it's a little bit different, but it's still the same kind of thing. You, you need the, the rebound damping to control the spring rate. And once you're in the right ballpark to, to get the general oscillations right, then you can further fine tune with your, your, your balance of the car. Make sense?
2: Um, now, if, uh, if you, this weekend you were on new shocks, correct? Uh, they were uh, actually this was the
1: second uh, weekend for them.
2: Oh, okay. Right. Now, yeah, when I you put a, when up. you put a new set of shocks on your car and you put twenty eight twelve twenty eight hundred series, mm-hmm. series Cones on your car, um, do you uh, do you think about um, uh, as far as corner entry, mid corner, corner exit? What do you, what are those three kind of uh, behaviors of the car like? Which which one do you try to get right first, second, and third?
1: Well, as a as as a longtime uh, front wheel drive racer, since uh, specifically a CRX, which means or a Honda, which means uh, very little torque, uh, very little power, and you 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 got to keep your foot mashed. So you, the the more that we can do in in our little uh, low power, low torque cars to get. to to get the speed out of it the better job we can do to get the chassis to help with with the turning and the rotation and the list so i i i like a lively car that's that's that that uh that that moves real well so in general you're going to if you want the car to turn in well um uh, especially at corner entry it's the rear rebound is going to be your primary tool that you're going to be working with if you've got a compression adjustable shock you'll also be be playing with that front compression as well so Ultimately, if you um, if if you are at, at corner entry, rear rebound, front compression, mid corner. Once the car is actually transitioned into the corner, the shock is mo- is not doing as much. It's mostly along for the ride. The uh, mid corner scenario is going to be a little bit more. Is going to be more primarily springs and sway bars, uh, to, affecting your balance. And then a corner exit situation. Is going to be, uh, often your front rebound is going to have a lot of play with it. And depending upon whether your front drive or rear drive, uh, your, your uh, front or rear compression, uh, can play a, a good sized role in that as well. So, so what I typically try to do is, is get people to understand this is what it, uh, this is what compression does. This is what rebound does. Uh, isolate that so you understand. Uh, am I is my issue in a, a compression issue or it, is it a, a rebound issue? And then where in the corner is it corner entry? Okay, now I got to think rear rebound. Is the car is the car understeering, not getting sharply into the corner? Okay, now I need to maybe add some more rear rebound to get the back end a little bit more lively. Or does the car feel like? At, at the very initial turn in, it really wants to swap ends and it's getting scary on you. Uh, at that point, maybe you'd soften the rear rebound a little bit. So you can use that to kind of keep some balance in the chassis. And then, the, the, again, the more you can do the chassis, the less steering wheel that you've got in it, the less slide you've got in the tire, the uh, the less uh, your CV axles, you know, uh, CV joints in the axles are are bound up so the more you can keep your foot in the throttle and, uh, and putting the power to the ground.
2: Yeah, the, uh, the driving the little CRX is all I think about is rotation and getting the uh, the steering wheel straight ish again. <laughs> <laughs> I, so I don't think I don't think my uh, my general understanding of how to drive a car uh, nowadays translates to the Miata buddies. <laughs> but um, and when you're talking about front wheel drive versus rear wheel drive, uh, uh, have you ever uh, spent much time tuning rear wheel drive cars on trackly?
1: yeah a, a bit a bit most of my time personally has been has been uh flogging around in in front drive cars but rear drive cars are are definitely gonna uh have have similar um similar adjustments that kind of stuff uh, i i've had some people say oh this is um this is going to be a front drive car. It's a completely different animal. I, I don't know that I necessarily fully agree with it. There are a few specific rules about not lifting and so on like that, but yep. uh, I don't think so. I've, I've had the opportunity to race uh, some a couple of different generations of RX-7. Um, I've uh, done, done some Corvairs and that stuff of of my own cars and then helped a number of other people. So it's, it's, it's still generally similar. They're just... Now, uh, there's some nuances and some differences, but it's not. I don't feel like it's that radically different.
2: Yeah, the the only car that I've really driven rear drive on track in anger was the K Miata last year, and it was just mm-hmm. on some 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 basic uh, street shocks. I think they were just regular Coney yellows and like four fifty three fifty springs
0: setup. I think.
2: Yeah, it uh, it it wasn't obviously optimal, but uh, it all, it seemed it seemed like. I I would do everything kind of the same I would just uh I would just kind of steer a little differently um uh and I felt like I was running pretty good I think I got well into the 140s at Gingerman and on my first time in it um but uh it, the it seem it seems like from what I read the you know the rear the front wheel drive guys put a big rear sway bar on and the rear wheel drive guys put a big front sway bar on um, and I, I would imagine that's more about just getting the actual drive tires to, to stick better but uh, and rotation. But I, I don't know. I, that might just, I might be totally wrong there. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the overall driving experience seemed eh, kind of similar. A lot of people think, oh, I drive rear-wheel drive cars. I drive front-wheel drive cars. I can't do the other one. And it kind of seems like if you can do one, you can do the
1: other. It's just a matter of working your way up to it. Right. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think it's more about, I mean, obviously you, you know, it helps if your head's in the right position, but uh, um, I, I think a good, smooth, solid driver with good lines is going to be able to drive just about anything. If you got a, a, a decent feel for balance and you can can tell what the car's doing, uh, then I don't think it really matters which end is, is is doing the pushing or pulling that much necessarily. Yeah, there, there are some, some innuendos, but a well-rounded driver i think is going to be able to tune into it. It's it's not a cats and dogs thing as at least as far as i'm concerned.
2: Yeah, i uh, uh i kind of agree there. Uh, but, and we we get a lot of people that say, "Oh, i want an instructor that has the same kind of car as mine." Um and realistically, i don't think that matters a whole heck of a lot, especially when you're instructing a, a fresh beginner. But Right, right. Um yeah, yeah the to- uh uh, the, uh, usually the only commonality is that the instructor and the beginner probably don't know how to adjust their shocks all that well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: no, I have uh, noticed that for me, you know, going between rear-wheel drive and front-wheel drive, the, the biggest difference is what happens when the, the rear end of the car comes loose. What do you do? Uh, that's kind of the, the biggest difference that I've really seen. Um, and really, if you're a decent driver, have a good feel, like Lee was talking about, and good anticipation of what's going to happen with the car just being more tuned in uh i really unless you're looking at extreme horsepower in one chassis or another that's really not a huge huge difference in the whole scheme of things yeah right
1: right yeah I, I uh i had the opportunity to race a uh a first generation rx7 with a welded diff uh and that was another one where 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 you didn't want to make big throttle angle changes uh when you were when you were well into the corner and you had to it. It, it didn't have that much power but it paid for smoothness because if you if you lift it out of the power when the car was loaded up it was going to want to you know swap ends for you definitely so I, I think it's more a feel and smoothness thing than than yeah. really uh hugely that different you know uh a different animal
2: what uh what kind of stuff d- do you typically struggle with nowadays that you're you're fighting for um are you fighting to be more smooth with your car are you do you fight your braking zones do you uh what kind of stuff do you do you work on after having
1: raced for like 25 years yeah i uh i was thinking about the other day i did my first driving schools in 1988
2: um, <laughs> i
1: guess i guess my my biggest issue really has been has been consistent seat time because um, i i often call myself the the, uh, the poster child for life getting in the way of motorsports um my big thing is is just is just having enough seat time and being fresh, and having the confidence and so on like that. When I was out at Mid Ohio this weekend, I was I had driven the car uh, twice this season, but it had been a couple of months. Uh, and and when I so when I I had the twenty eight twelves on the car, I put in what I would consider a relatively a good conservative uh, setup with fresh tires and so on like that. And as I was building session by session. I was adjusting the shocks, adding mostly I was adding front bump and rear rebound because uh, the the first the first real session, the uh, Saturday afternoon race, uh, the car the car was was just as rock solid. at The back end never tried to jump out, but mm-hmm. I could definitely feel that by by halfway through the race, it just the front end was was starting to push into understeer. And and for those of us who who do really enjoy a front drive car, there's there's not much worse than an understeering front-wheel drive car because you know you've you've got a you've got to lift further you got to dial in more wheel it's sliding more so you can't get to the power when you need to and since we've got so so limited power and torque to begin with it just feels very wrong so I, I think I probably went up um, a total of four four or more clicks over the over the uh, the weekend and even after um, Sunday's race which uh, was I was pretty successful and the car felt pretty good i was ready for another turn of rebound in there so it's again (laughs) it's 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 making you the car i never got i was watching my in-car footage i never saw i never had the car get a real big zinging wow twitch that you know it it feels like it's it's going to jump up from underneath you so i need to keep moving up there i think i may be uh uh not too far from maybe looking at uh um, at at adding a bit more spring, I'm definitely looking at uh, at adding more sway bar to the car. Uh, so the, the shock absorbers are going to be a fine tune adjustment. Uh, if you find that you're at the top of the adjustment range or, or at the bottom, that's, that's telling you that you're, if you're either totally you know trying to stop the car from moving, maybe some of the other tools upstream of the car, maybe more spring rate, something like that would be, would be helpful. Um, or like, for example, on compression damping, especially compression damping. Um, some people, if, if you find yourself at the very top of the adjustment range, that means you're trying to, and the car's getting better and better, you're trying to hold the car up with the compression damping. So it's really saying, hey, give us some more spring right there. Or on vice versa, if, the, if you're bailed out and the car just feels best when, when you're totally out of the shocks, then it's saying, hey, you're, there's a good chance you may be oversprung here. Uh, maybe we need to come down a little bit. So I'm, my, this car's been out probably... Four times, four or five times in the last two years, um, so I'm, I'm definitely in the uh, early in the development phase, uh, and but that's the fun part because at least I'm getting to drive my race car and <laughs> yeah. and not not so much not not have a shelf in the garage like it's it's been for for yeah. so many years.
0: Now, Lee, are there is there ever a time where you might want to tune the opposite side of the chassis? You know, like say the car is understeering. Is there any point where you might want to adjust the rear shocks to get it? to rotate more in the rear to compensate for the understeer or do you yeah, usually I'm, try and adjust the side that you're having issues with first?
1: And I, it typically it, it just exactly like what you said there if, if the front end is understeering, basically if the car is, is sliding initially on the front end then you, to bring the balance back to neutral you want to make the back end more lively. You want to make it start sliding effectively a little sooner. So, so you are especially at corner entry so you're going to be start adding more rear rebound. If you kind of think about a you know, a, a, pole, a pole or a center of balance in the vehicle, you probably want it somewhere in the general vicinity uh, of the middle of the car. If the car is is just going out and sliding on the front tires constantly, that it either is telling you you've got way, way, way too much on the front and you need to bail out of some of it, or you need a heck of a lot more in the back to help bring that balance back towards the middle and, and getting the, the car to rotate around its center rather than just just uh, uh, totally, you know, driving and being dominated by the front end, or vice versa. If you've got a car that's that's just too tail happy for you and for your confidence, uh, then you need to bail out of the back end. I uh, many years ago, I, I built a, an ITA CRX for a gentleman, and uh, uh, what I it was right after I had sold my ITA car and I had developed my car pretty well and I had it nice and good and lively, and he was a driver who just didn't have that much confidence yet and and he was he was not able to really get get the the performance of the car and actually at two different driver schools he backed it into to uh, the same tire wall twice and mm-hmm. and that was simply because he he didn't have the confidence in the car it was it was just too lively for him so you know we as it turns out we had just made it too aggressive for his level of doing that i i jumped in the car i actually ended up buying the car from him and i thought hey you know this is there's nothing wrong with this car. The thing that I had forgotten is as I developed my prior car that I used as a basis to uh, to, to build this one, I had also developed my driver and my preferences. Uh, so I didn't do him any, any favors there. So I, I definitely believe, you know, as, as racers and, and someone like that, we it's, sometimes it's easy to have a bit of a herd mentality and say, you know, well, if it, this is so-and-so is the fast guy, if I can just simply set my car up like him, then... Uh, Uh, then it's you know then I'll be fast like him and and the answer is if your driver is not confident in what the rig is uh, then it's it's not going to be doing anybody any favors
2: yeah the it really took me like a year and a half two years to kind of get used to the just the tail happy nature of the short little crx Um, going coming from a hatchback that's like six or eight inches longer you know um same suspension geometry and same weight basically and uh it just took me a while like i thought the first weekend i thought i hate this car this thing's gonna kill me i hate this car so much um and now i can't even imagine driving it differently but it takes time it takes a lot Mm -hmm. of time um it it uh and, and you can go just about as fast on uh one setup or the other if you know it might not be the pointy end of the car, but you can you can get in the ballpark with you know with the car pushing a little bit if uh you know if you are confident with it and can keep it out of the wall you know it might not be the optimal fastest setup, but it's better than crashing the car
1: absolutely i I think that's that's really a big thing is that is getting the driver the driver's gotta have confidence that the car is gonna deliver what he needs. When he needs it, you know. When when you go hammering into Turn One in Mid Ohio, you gotta believe that it's going to stick for you. <laughs> and 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 if you don't, uh, you may you know you may do a, you know a hesitation lift halfway through the corner, uh, and that's <laughs> that's, a that's really bad, bad thing. <laughs> that's bad. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Were, were you um, behind
2: yeah. me at all this weekend when that happened?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, I I was not. I was uh, not. You're too fast for me. In, but uh, 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 yeah, on Saturday, I
2: had uh, Saturday in qualifying. No, on the Saturday race. Qualifying, I had a little bit of a tank slapper coming out of one uh, because I entered, uh, but in the race, I entered the turn like mid-track because I was passing another STL car, and he backed off late, uh, and I couldn't, I, I tried to scare him, you know, entering turn one, and I thought he'd back off and I could slot over and then turn in, um, And but I just entered it wrong, and I, I got on the gas, and that probably saved it, um, but I had the thing. I had the car from grass to grass. The back end of the car was in the right grass and the left grass and the right grass, <laughs> and I thought, oh, my. I mean, I'm probably going, what do you think, like 80, 90 miles an hour there? Yeah, easily. Uh, like, well into fourth gear, and I thought, this is going to end so badly. <laughs> but yeah, you got to do, you got to do that particular turn. Right. If you don't talk about turn one, I have some stories now. <laughs> yeah,
1: when, when, but when it's right, man, it really oh. it, it does. It, does uh, feel it feels like, awesome. Doesn't it? Absolutely.
2: I, I think I only got it right like twice this weekend.
1: <laughs> I felt I, I had other areas of the track that I was working on. I, I, uh, I felt like I was actually doing well. I, the, the car was feeling good and balanced and, and never nervous but but the answer was if it if it was ever there don't you ever give the the least bit of a lift just use keep yeah. your foot matted and use every bit of the track out that that, that they'll give you and, and, and then maybe some just a little <laughs> bit more yeah,
2: <laughs> uh, yeah i'm really starting could... to like turn one but it it took it took several years for me to like turn one <laughs> well, I, when
1: I, when i first did my first uh dr- uh driving school it was in mid ohio 1988 in an ITC Renault Encore um and it was, but I remember like my second or third lap. I went through one, and I lifted, <laughs> I, I lifted, and it it spun around, and I mean that was turned totally ninety <laughs> degrees to the track. And you know, again in in all of this, this second, I, I, this split second, I'm sitting there, and all I could think of was, all my life I wanted to drive race cars. I'm an idiot. I shouldn't have done this. I'm not capable of doing this thing. <laughs> um, I, I, I've totally lost it. And then, I mean, this is in like probably half of a second or something like. It. I'm totally done. And and then I see the car coming at me. It's like, oh, he's going to T-bone me now. And then I swear I saw his eyes get big, and he spins. It gives me just enough time to get the heck out of there, and then then go back and realize, okay, now just get it back together. You know, get. get Cool off, get your head together. I firmly believe that the the time that you're most likely to make a mistake is right after you just made a big mistake. You know, yeah. so so just get your head back in the game and things worked out. And I, I I don't knock wood. I don't don't know that I've I've really truly spun in one before, uh, or since that that point. But again, you, you know you've you just got to know the, the the specifics. In a front drive car, you don't lift if you if it gets. If the car gets gets a little bit tail happy, you just you know you 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 mat it and you, you make the back end is going to follow the front end. So if if you make the front end go faster, the back end will follow you. Uh,
2: in uh, at the start of uh, the first race Saturday, I think you were behind me, and uh, I think you were like two or three cars back. <laughs> and I lifted in uh, that would be what turn turn two at the top of the hill. Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I lifted, and the, the the lead car lifted as well um, for some reason, and he spun, and I almost spun. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, lift, was lift, lifting. anywhere in a in a CRX is, you probably should just always keep your foot to the to the floor on the gas pedal. <laughs> I,
1: I was first car behind you for that, yeah. and I got a really good view, and I remember thinking about the third of the way through the corner. Don't hit Adam. <laughs> Beyond the, 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 the ahead of us. He yeah. did the full spin, and I swear you were so busy grabbing it that 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 you you pulled out of it, caught it, and got the heck out of there really nicely when when he did the full loop. But I, I there was a moment there I was some... wondering that I was going to have to uh, to to thread the needle between two spun cars there. Yeah. So. That was catch. the
2: yeah that was the the leader or the not the leader the uh the pole sitter yeah. for the uh, for that race and yeah he spun right as I was spinning I'm sideways thinking uh, if we both stop here this is gonna be really bad mm. <laughs> I was uh, I was one car behind him and Lee's behind me <laughs> so, yeah that was uh that, that was an interesting race because my brakes went to the floor um and uh uh yeah, that's what you're supposed to take turn
0: time. one, man. It's perfect. It was just What's saying up? go faster, no brakes.
2: Well, that's the that's the problem. You do have to slow down a little bit once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they went to the floor in that turn like ten laps later, and I uh, I went off into the sand a little bit, but not too bad. Not as bad as Saturday, um, but yeah, I never got stuck, I and mean, I always finished the races this weekend. So,
1: actually, I was uh, four or five cars behind John on, on Saturday's dust.
2: The uh, when I in went uh, two, yeah. When I went deep off track, yes, at the bottom of the hill,
1: uh, I, you were you were pulling out. You were you were back on track, so I didn't see you. Oh, okay, okay. I, I just yeah. saw the dust everywhere, and
2: that that was an interesting one. I was I was battling this blue T four RX eight, and uh, or maybe maybe we're. Oh yeah, I'm thinking. No, Saturday, Saturday, I, I went at the top of the hill. I I guess got stuck in the sand. Oh yeah, Sunday, I went off at the bottom of the hill. And at the end of the long straightaway and yeah on saturday my brakes just went to the floor and i just somehow got it turned enough and got a little bit into the sand and kept going but um yeah sunday i had a pretty big off do they which one's china beach is that the one at the bottom of the hill
1: at the end of the straight yeah,
2: yeah at the end yeah. of the big straightaway right. yeah that was uh that was interesting this t that i had qualified badly after uh my brakes went sunday morning um And that race wasn't based on fast time. It was based on finishing position. So I was like, I went from the third fastest to like the third lastest. Um, Because I just, I went off deep because my brakes went out and I just drove around for a couple laps. So I like finished, you know, probably 10th from the end. But um, so I was battling with a bunch of T4 cars and this blue RX-8 didn't seem a whole lot of, uh, it didn't seem to have a whole lot of awareness um, he moved over on me in the kink in the big straightaway. Uh, I was door-to-door with him. He probably just glanced over and saw nothing because my car was lower and shorter than him. But he, he moves over towards the apex kind of in the kink, you know. Uh, the the big straightaway in mid-Ohio, uh, you, I kind of shift to fifth right around where it kind of bends to the right just a little bit. Um, and he moves over to clip that apex, so I put the car in the dirt in fifth gear, um, and I just and I drove straight through it and he went track left again uh, to set up for the braking zone, and I got back on track. It was fine. But then I went for the brakes, and um, my tires were dusty, and my pedal went to the floor, just about. And the car got sideways and I thought I was going into this guy's door. Um, but I ended up driving through China Beach. I got to turn just enough and aim toward madness. I drew, I skipped over the rocks in the beach, and then I parked it at the top of the hill on the inside left of Madness, um, and the corner worker flagged me back out, and I kept going.
0: <laughs> it gets pretty skinny right there, doesn't it?
2: it yeah. It was. It was not. It's that is not the place to lose brakes at all. <laughs> Sounds
1: um, like Mr. Mr. Toad's Wild Ride there.
2: I I was well. I mean, you're well into fifth gear. I I got a four nine, but I'm like most of the way through fifth gear, and I go for the brakes, and the car instantly went sideways just a little bit like 15 degrees i think because i had a lot more dirt on the passenger side tires you know um i I remember looking in the mirror as i hit the grass and i was kicking up dirt so it's pretty dusty there um and uh, bruce banister another stl guy uh, he he came up to me after that race he was in a miata right behind me and he said i couldn't believe the car kept going straight because you were kicking up so much dust but uh, I got on the brakes, and the car goes a little bit sideways, but the pedal was almost gone. I was almost out of fluid, and it wasn't stopping real well. And that RX-8 goes to turn in, and I'm approaching him really, really hard and fast. And so I cut the wheel. I can hardly remember it. I think this all happened in the same lap. I don't even remember it. But, um, I, I wish, this is like the one incident I wish I had in-car for lately. Um, I didn't have a camera in the car. But I remember cutting back to the right, and, like, kicking the car sideways, and it kind of just floated off to the grass, straightened out, like, skipped over the beach, and I just went straight up the hill. Um, I got it turned just enough where I didn't hit the wall. Because uh, if you go straight off, you you will hit a wall mm-hmm. eventually. But, uh, yeah, it was it was as lucky as they get, and it was just, it was terrifying. I never, ever... Want to lose brakes again? I'm just, I'm <laughs> so done with brakes that I'm going, I'm going full tilt with brakes. They're already on the way, so, and I've got it, fresh fluid in the
1: garage already. <laughs> that's but, that's definitely working. One of the things I was working on is, is now that I'm getting back to racing, is trying to, 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 to use to brake late enough, use enough of the brakes, get off them, uh, and so on like that. I. I uh, I definitely feel like that. that's an area that I need to to uh, to make improvements on. I think I made some headway over the weekend, but again, seat time is one of those things that's really going to going to get you the right feel and make sure you're using enough in the right places and for a short enough time.
2: Yeah, I feel like I was really struggling with kind of like being smooth and not uh, overdriving the car this weekend because it's my first weekend back to mid-Ohio in a year, eight months or whatever. Uh, but I'm kind of looking forward to hopefully going to the, uh, the OVR fall sprints in October. Absolutely. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just want to get more and more seat time at mid Ohio. Uh, hopefully with the anticipation of running the, uh, the runoffs there next year, but what a fun track, man. I just love that track. And it, it gave me, uh, it gave me such a smile every time to see, to pull in and see you, uh, heading yeah. off to impound because you made it through the race and your car was running solid. And, uh, yeah it was uh it was a fun weekend man i uh, i appreciate the help with the uh with the shock tuning and the uh, uh i i uh, i always like seeing you drag sam myers with too so we can hang out <laughs> so, yeah it was a fun weekend man absolutely if if i could spend every weekend uh that way that wouldn't be a bad life but got to go swim in the water park with uh with my one-year-old and uh we went. Uh, we ate too much food and drove around, and then I hung out with Lee and Tom and Sam, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fun weekend. But um, anyway, we want to uh, we want to go over anything else with uh, with with shocks, or we want to deal with that next time when we have Lee on. I uh, should probably leave
0: some stuff for next time too.
2: Yeah, because I yeah. definitely
0: I'd love to have Lee back if he'll uh, if he's willing to. I'm,
2: yeah. I'm happy to, anytime. Hang on to that anytime. microphone. We got to figure out a better way to do this. Uh, we got, we got to get you back on for round two. We can't have Greg and me on every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Greg, Greg's a great guy. Right, I, I could talk to, I could talk to Greg until, uh, until the house burned down. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I appreciate you coming on Lee. How long are we into this one for Austin? Uh, about 58 minutes. Wow. We, we had a whole podcast. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So, All right,
2: man, um, we, uh, you got any, anything else you want to add Lee?
1: Uh, not particularly other than, uh, you know, thanks for the opportunity. And again, like I said, on the, on the shock stuff, it's not that difficult. It, it really isn't. It's not smoke and mirrors and magic pixie dust. It's, it's just having the basics, starting to understand it, and getting the feel of what your car's doing, where it's doing it, and, and you can figure it out. And if you don't, just, just ask questions. That's, it's one of the more fun parts of my job is, is helping helping people do their cars.
2: Awesome. How, uh, how can people uh, find Coney? What's the best place to buy or look up Coney stuff?
1: Well, our uh, our website's wwwcony nacom That's the North American site. If you go to cony.com that'll take to, to the European site, which is a little different flavor. Sometimes the applications are different. So, if you can try to stick with cony nacom com. Uh, our tech line is available um, at eight to five Eastern time. Um, email or by via email, just let us know. Uh, we're we're happy to uh, to help anybody and everybody. Awesome. We appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on the show, dude. Thanks, guys. Um, and we'll
2: uh, we'll talk to you soon. Austin, uh, you want to tell everybody where they can find us and all that stuff?
0: Yeah. Uh, if you like the show, share with a friend. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Show. It also helps a lot if you leave us some reviews and ratings on iTunes, so you can subscribe through there. You can subscribe through Stitcher. That's probably about it.
2: Cool. That's awesome, man. We, uh, if the auto quality is halfway decent, uh, uh, don't complain too much, everybody. <laughs> but I'm sure Austin'll do his his bang up job of making it sound acceptable. I'll try uh, to. I yeah,
0: think uh, we, I think it's going to turn out
2: all right, actually. Yeah, we do need to buy some more equipment, so we're working on it. We know this isn't ideal, but uh, yeah, uh, we we had to get Lee on and talk about uh, IT Fest before we forgot all the memories, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I wanted to. Uh, I also wanted to uh you know, talk about shocks a little bit, so I'm glad he could come on there. Absolutely. All right, we got we appreciate it, Lee. Thanks guys. Yep. Thanks right. Lee. Ha- have a good night, guys. Take care.